over here a little little bit of a intro here for uh drink and champagne here josh rodriguez and of course as always i'm going to be joined here by my uh co-host mr andrew champagne who's coming in also bopping here to this uh new little intro song we got here andrew how was your weekend how you doing man how you feeling I'm tired. <laughs> uh, if you listen to the podcast last week or you watched the podcast last week on the On the Wrongly YouTube channel, you know that I spent most of the last week in Las Vegas, came back on Monday night. We're recording this on Wednesday night. It was a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fun doing this. Uh, my dad and I do two Vegas trips a year, once over Thanksgiving weekend for our birthdays, once for the first couple rounds of the NCAA men's basketball tournament in March. It's always a lot of fun. We did a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, I had a birthday dinner to die for at the Bacchanal Buffet at Caesars Palace. His birthday dinner was at Smith & Walensky in the Venetian. You may have seen a Twitter photo of my 26-ounce bone-in T-bone steak, which was absolutely fantastic. And for those of you who saw that and said, where's the vegetables? French fries are vegetables, whether you like it or not. Um <laughs> Unfortunately, I've got one bad beat story that I'll tell you about. Nobody wants to hear 9,000 bad beat stories. I'm only going to tell you one. Saturday, it was college football day. We'll start things off on a high note. My beloved Michigan Wolverines didn't just cover that eight and a half points that they were getting from Ohio State. They thrashed the Buckeyes, blew them out outright, and sent Ohio State fans scrambling for the exits midway through the fourth quarter. I genuinely loved that. For many, many reasons, not least of which is because I have them at plus eight and a half and plus 290 on the money line. So that was a good score for me. Now, there were two college football games. Appreciate that. There were two college football games that I really liked on Saturday. Michigan was one of them. Oregon minus two over Oregon State was the other one. Oregon was up 31 to 10 with three minutes to go in the third quarter. They were up 34-17 with about 10 minutes to go in the game. Oregon's last three drives, turnover on downs on their own 29-yard line, punter fumbling a snap at his own one-yard line, turnover and downs on a goal line stand at the end of the game. Oregon State winds up winning 38-34, after being down multiple touchdowns late in the second half. That one stung. I had Oregon on their own. I had Oregon in parlays that started with Michigan. It's not like that made the difference between a profitable trip and a losing trip. The trip for me was steady bleeding for five or six days. But as far as just the sheer unlikelihood of what happened happening, that one hurt. And by the way, to all you Arizona State fans out there, The guy that was calling the plays near the end of the game for Oregon, congratulations, he's your new head coach. Yeah. That that was mostly late for you. That was late for you, but I figured everybody loses there. So let's let's play the sound. It was it was just absolutely awful. And Oregon's athletic teams have traditionally been very good to me. 
in a number of different respects. When I was coming out of college, I had a great interview with the Oregon Athletic Department for a job there. They treated me very well. Their basketball team has, on multiple occasions, made me money during the sojourns to Vegas for the NCAA tournament. In fact, on one such occasion, I led a chorus of quacking in the Flamingo Sportsbook when they won and covered against, I believe it was BYU. This was several years ago. But that hurt that hurt very, very badly. And perhaps the worst part was after the game, I go on Twitter. A very good friend of mine in the sports betting space had Oregon State plus two, and he redboarded it. And I went, I'm happy for you, truly. Everybody has bad beats, and there's always somebody on the other side of it that had it the right way, right? Don't act like Oregon State won the game. Oregon choked. Let's just put that out there. And in fact, Craig Milkowski and I had a discussion about this and about whatever analytics you use, how do you justify going for it on fourth and one from your own 29-yard line up multiple scores in the fourth quarter? How? Yeah, and that's my I, bad beat story. <laughs> yeah, I wish... Um... I don't know. You see, I'm I'm very very recreational when it comes to uh, to sports betting. Um, I uh, you know my dad always used to have a saying, uh, which is really funny because my dad wasn't a very big gambler, but we always there were two things that we always did. One uh, was an NFL confidence pool. Oh yeah. And so right, you would get have to rank the teams one through sixteen. Who's gonna win? Circle the winner. You get points for whoever wins. Um, and every week he'd hand me the sheet and be, and be like, look, bet with your head, not with your heart. Yeah. And I never, ever took that advice. And I swear I picked the bears, even if it was only for one point, I think I picked the bears every single time. Why would you do that? Because, because I just hate money apparently. And I did the same thing. I did the same thing this week with soccer, right? So today I had Mexico on the money line, but of course I wasn't like I'm not going to take minus 170 or whatever nonsense I had. Uh, so I had Mexico on the money line, and I had plus over two and a half goals for Mexico, Mexico, oh, and no. they oh, were no. just on the doorstep the entire time. That was going to be enough to get them qualified, and it was just 90 minutes of agony for me watching that game. Um, and I think I also played, uh, I ran on the money line and parlayed it every which way on top of it. Hang so on. I hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. You played Iran on the money line against the United States. Absolutely. Boo this man. <laughs> boo! You're going to boo me. Okay, fine. I'll hit the boo. I made one soccer bet when I was in Vegas. I got Team USA plus one against England. So when it was a scoreless tie after full time it hit, I tried. It didn't work, but I tried. And there are witnesses to this. I tried to get an, I believe that we will draw. I believe that we will draw. Chant going in the Flamingo Sportsbook. It didn't take, but ultimately I wound up cashing my bet. So I don't really care. Yeah. So, you know, you had pictures of the lovely, uh, your lovely dinner at Smith and Walensky's. I had a lovely dinner on Friday night with uh, my friend Sheldon, uh, Sheldon. At, at Fake Maven on Twitter. 
Uh, he uh, flew in for the Hawthorne contest, which I partook in, and uh, we went to Gibson's and we split a tomahawk ribeye, which was amazing. Uh, we had cocktails, wine. We had an after dinner drink. We had all kinds of sides. I mean, we we just had we had a mess of a meal. It was delicious. It was so good. And then, um, funny enough, when we were at when we were driving to Gibson's, uh, I took a wrong turn. And we were in Oak Brook. It's real small. Uh, it's a suburb, but the I don't know. The streets are weird. Like there's medians. There's like one ways and stuff. So I kind of had I, I took a wrong turn. I had to make like this weird like loop to go around on these main streets. And um, we passed by Lou Malinati's, and I told Sheldon, I'm like, you know, tonight we're gonna have this real nice nice dinner. I'm like, tomorrow we're gonna go get pizza at at Lou Malinati's, and he goes. You know, I've had Chicago style once. He said Giordano's. He said I didn't like it. And I told him, I was like, I don't know what it is about Giordano's, but it's very polarizing. Some people like to me, Giordano's is the the pinnacle of Chicago style deep dish pizza. However, I know people who don't like I a lot of people do not like it. And Point much, of order much here. prefer loose. Is that the place that's outside of Bally's now? Is that this? Is yes. that a, okay? Yes. I've had it once. It's not bad. It hit me as a little undercooked, a little bit soft, a little bit soggy. It's not terrible though. I understand why some people love it. I understand why some people hate it. I'm in the middle though. I I thought it was fine, but nothing special. I feel like Lou's has a broader appeal um, because it's deep dish. As opposed to Giordano's, which is actually considered stuffed pizza. And now what that means is there's a, a layer of crust, there's a, la- a thin layer of cheese, and then another layer of crust. So you get a lot of bottom crust, which is probably where you're kind of like, oh, it's a little soggy. It, because there's a lot of crust down there, and there's a, a layer of cheese in between. So it's kind of weird. Um, so some people don't like it. I, Me and my wife, we love it. We probably get it like once every six to eight weeks at least. Um, uh, obviously the, the, pre- much to everybody's chagrin, the predominant style of pizza eaten in Chicago is actually a thin crust pizza, mostly tavern style, which is cut into We're going to stay away from a pizza debate because we know how pizza debates go on horse racing. Twitter. Yeah. Darren, Darren's Okali. All right. Get the heck Love out of you, here. Darren. <laughs> Love you. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we went on, uh, on Saturday, uh, joined by, uh, Mr. or, uh, BD horse player, AKA Brian Duransky, who congratulations to him won an NHC seat at the Hawthorne tournament on Sunday. So congrats to, uh, to Brian, um, and, uh, Matthew Bickey, who I know is a, uh, is a huge supporter of on the wrong lead. Good he's guy. always coming in and he's always bashing the heck out of us for being so logical. Love him. He's he's such a great guy. He he was it was just he really said that the, that's the thing he missed the most about contests with COVID was just getting to, to meet everybody and and I get it because honestly I went to the NHC one uh, last year and, and I only played in the last chance first chance I didn't play in the actual NHC but so many of my friends were there and just hanging out with their meeting people just you know, getting dinner at night and just like talking horses and stuff. Like it's just something that 
you don't really like it, it's kind of a unique experience in in horse playing now uh the, the tournament scene a very um a very welcoming group uh i mean i was talking to people all kinds all around me i think one of the gentleman next to me his name is john gasper he, he ended up following me on twitter right away like the next day and stuff and just just talking to a bunch of guys it, it was great um and um yeah everyone loved it everyone loved uh love lou malnati's um I uh, on Friday I had a really really great run in the contest. I ended up finishing third. Unfortunately for me, there was only two NHC seats given out. Third and fourth place that day paid um, a five hundred dollar voucher and Hawthorne credits, which I used the next day into the contest. Yeah. Um, you know, you were talking about a beat. I had that two in that uh, that featured race on Friday at. Golden Gate Field. Ow, ow. And ow. Uh, went off at four to one. I had 400 to win on the horse. I, at the time, I had 2,500. Second place had 2,600. First place had about 3,000. And, you know, one of the tough things about the contest is that everything is all, you, you only get card numbers. You don't get names. So you don't know who's in first. You don't know who's in second. You don't know who's where. So it's good and bad, right? Like, your identity is disguised as well as the other people. Um, so I had 400 to win. Horse went off at four to one. And if you get a chance, take a look at that photo. I think it was race eight on Friday at Golden Gate Fields. If you and, do uh, have some man acids handy, it's ugly. Yeah, it was on. It was unreal. And you know, you watch the horse gallop out past the past right at. I mean, if the wire was literally like two inches. After where it was, I think I get there. Um, that would that would have catapulted me to a little bit over four thousand, and I think I might have won a seat that day. Um, but you know, I was down to twenty one hundred because I had four hundred to win on that race, and I just kept firing at the last couple of races that we had. We had only Hawthorne and Golden Gate running, and I was just trying to make up a couple hundred dollars, and I just whiffed, whiffed. Left with fifteen hundred dollars, uh, so it was a three hundred dollar buy-in. Perfect. Best thing about the contest: there's no entry fee, so it's a three hundred dollar live money contest. No limits on tracks, or well, there is a limit on tracks. It's everything that runs, bef- that's that goes off before Hawthorne, I think, or Golden Gate Fields, one of those two. But those are basically the last tracks. So you could play pick fives, pick fours, pick sixes, whatever you want. Um, I think one year some guy hit like the Stronic five and you know, you know, made something, or, or maybe it was a pick six. I don't remember. But um, freedom and whatever you, and whatever you want to bet, and it's there's no vig, right? You're just you're just playing whoever gets the highest bankroll wins. Um, so it, it's a really great contest. People come from all over the country flying. People from out of the country flying from mainly from Canada. Um, and it, it, it's just a great time. So I turned my $300 entry on Friday to $1,500. So cash that out. And I got a $500 entry to the next day. Um, and just the next two days I played two entries and I just basically gave that money back. Like it was just, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I was necessarily in the right headspace after that beat. And I, I think that that's definitely a, a gap um, that I have uh, a, as a horse player is, and you know, you'll talk, you can talk to any any of the guys who I talk to, Caleb, Mark, uh, Brian, you know, Sheldon, uh, any of the guys who I talk to on a daily basis. Like, 
if if it gets bad, like I don't know that that tilt factor for me. Like sometimes like it's just like it hits me, and like next thing you know, like I'm like down a couple hundred more that I probably shouldn't have been betting, and under normal circumstances, I probably wouldn't have. So it it was it was a tough weekend after after having such a promising start. Um, there was there was another. There was another point where I think I, I might have made a, a, a nice move. There was like a, a Kendrick horse. I think it was race five on um, zero Saturday or Sunday at Aqueduct. Um, and he, once again, just barely got nosed. He was like 14 to one. And I had a ton of money to win. I think I had 50 to win on him. I had a $20 exacta with him on top. I had a $5 trifecta with him on top and just barely missed. So, like, I was still seeing the ball pretty well. Um, but. You know, it is what it is. Um, I, I'll definitely play that again. I, I, there's rumor that they might try and do a last chance tournament as well in January, uh, similar, um, similar style. So I'll probably be in for that. And I think, I think I'm in for the last chance, first chance again at Vegas. So I think I'm, I'm going to try and, um, get a couple seats to that or, or just buy in directly. I think it's 500 bucks. So, but, yeah, it was it was a tough weekend. Um, you know, I, I was real close. Uh, of course, uh, Saturday and Sunday they gave away four seats each. So the day that they only gave away two seats is when I finished third. But uh, but you know, congrats again to Brian for picking up that seat on Sunday. So you know, it was it was great to see him and, and hang out with Sheldon and everybody and and Matt and uh, yeah, it was it was a great time. Um, you know, and it, it really reminds me why. The, basically the only reason why the NHC is still relevant, right? Because it, it's because of that factor of just being surrounded by horse players, being surrounded by friends in Vegas. Like, I mean, there it, it, it's tough to beat, right? The VIG's got to change at a certain point. You know, they, they, they're going to have to figure that out, um, you know, especially with, with these online qualifiers like horse tourneys and stuff. But you know, with when when you're not when you're paying no entry fee, you know it, it hurts a little bit less, right? When uh, a, any prize you get when you're paying no entry fee basically is worth it. So, yeah. Well, spectacular job, Josh and Brian. Congratulations! Really happy for you. That's awesome. Going back to something that you had mentioned, just being surrounded by all of these people and people being so welcoming and so kind, etc. We can all admit Twitter is not a real place, right? We've all <laughs> effectively understood that, okay? Horse racing Twitter is a very strange environment where lots of weird things happen. It, it, nobody's quite as bad as they seem on horse racing Twitter. There are people that can seem insufferable when you deal with them 280 characters at a time. Hi, how you doing? I picked 142 top pick winners at Saratoga Racecourse. Example A, right? Having said that, the community that you see when you get people together in one place at one time and the sheer amount of knowledge that's there, it's awesome. Even if it's not a tournament setting, even if it's just a couple of people from a bunch of different websites setting up tables at Saratoga in the backyard, it's awesome. And there, you can't put a price on the value of the experiences that are there. Certainly, of course, it helps if you wind up returning a positive investment. But uh, at any rate, though, 
fantastic work on Friday. It's a shame that you wound up bubbling to an extent, but that's an awesome day. Yeah. You know, I, I also forgot the, uh, the star of the show who I met on, uh, on this whole weekend. I got to talk to quite a bit was, uh, Emily, uh, Emily Gullickson from, uh, uh, optics she uh she does a lot of stuff with hawthorne yeah she's actually doing a seminar on sunday at the same otb that i was at so i might try and go um you know i mostly when when we do our streams and stuff i only show briz but i am a uh, pretty big fan of optics so i use optics uh quite a lot you know if if you guys know me at all you guys know that you know pace makes the race that's like the my number one thing, I look at pace and, and optics, at least for me, helps me give me a real clear picture very quickly on what I think the pace is going to be. And also it helps me identify biases. Um, you know, all of a sudden you start seeing like w- one of the one of my big plays on Friday in, in particular, I would watched a couple of races um, and I had seen that squares near the middle of the plot were winning. That, that, that's just who was winning all these races. So I had uh, an exacta using two of the big squares near the middle hits. And then I, I, I ended up building a, uh, an exacta and a try using a, some, something similar a couple of races later. I hit for 1200 bucks on that race. And that's kind of what catapulted me up to the top uh, or close to the top of the leaderboard was hitting a nice try and exacta. And it was kind of funny though. Like, and, and it really is, um, it helps uh, kind of describe like, like horse playing, right? Because I was looking at the plot. I saw it this way. I built a play this way. And Emily comes up and I'm like, I'm telling her, I was like, yeah, I just hit for 1200 using optics. Like, this is what I did. And like, she points out another horse. She's like, well, if that was your thinking, why didn't you use that horse? And like, I was, I was like, um, I don't know. I just didn't use it. And so like me telling her, this is what I saw on the plot and this is what I played. She looked at the same plot and was like, "Well, I would have used this horse too." So it's just kind of kind of showed kind of the beauty, right, of horse playing. We all look at the same information, you know, kind of jumbled in different ways with maybe different figures here and there, but generally we're all looking at the same information and we can come with completely different um opinions on a race. Just That's just from sure. looking at the same information. And so it was just kind of funny. Like I was like, Oh, I hit this great try using optics and this is how I use it. And she like points out this horse. She's like, Well, if you like those horses, why don't you like that one? <laughs> and I didn't really have a good answer. I was just like, Ah, well, it wasn't it was not right where I thought. I mean, I think it was probably just price. Uh yeah. I think the the horse she pointed out was uh, a shorter price, but I don't know. It, it was just kind of a funny little moment there. But uh... yeah. Emily is awesome. She was my gifter in Operation Gift Horse last year. Got a really cool book that's on my bookshelf right now that I wound up reading going to and from uh, New York last year for the holidays. So, Emily, hi, how you doing? Hope all is well. <laughs> yeah, she actually, the first thing she said to me was, uh, was mm, how come you haven't had me on your show yet? So I think I'm going to have to, well, I'm going to have to twist invitation. her arm. Yep. I'm, gonna, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I I'll figure it out. We'll 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 have her on a, on a Thursday or a Saturday or something. We'll we'll see what her schedule looks like. But, um, but yeah, no, I you know we kind of recapped our weekends. But uh, yeah, there's some uh, there's some racing happening this weekend, huh? And some high profile ones too. Aqueduct's card on Saturday has four consecutive graded stakes races. 
How they are not part of an all-stakes pick four, I will never know. I will never understand. Having said that, though, the Demoiselle, the Remsen, the Gopher Wand, the Cigar Mile races six, seven, eight, and nine on the Saturday program. Six through nine. Hi, Coots. How you doing? <laughs> and we start things off with the Demoiselle for two-year-old fillies. Yep, we're going to be going a mile and eighth here for uh, two-year-old fillies. Uh, Andrew, I know you kind of had a uh, – we were talking a little bit before the show, and you were pretty funny. You were like, yeah – you know how is this? How is this a grade two? And then uh, you and then looked you up look the, at last... the list of winners, and you're wondering how is this not a grade one? Because the last two winners of this race were some pretty nice prospects by the name of Nest and Malafat. Yep. Um, so I, I pulled the the Brisnet here. Um, we don't have morning lines yet. Um, I'm going to take a stab and guess at the six gambling girls, probably going to be your show. I can check that for you. David Aragona tweeted them out, but I don't think they're reflected in the past performances yet. So you keep going and I'll let you know. Yeah. I I thought gambling girl is going to be your favorite. Uh, I thought gambling girl was the most likely winner in this spot. Um, this is a lone a for me in, uh, in this race. Um, you know, when it comes to two year old races, I, we, I've said it numerous times, I'm looking for a horse that has passed other horses because so often these two-year-old races are won by horses that break out of the gate and just go. And when you get a horse that's passed other horses, I think that that's definitely something uh, – it's definitely something that other horses haven't done. And I, I just think that uh, you know this is a Rapoli horse, own horse uh, for Todd Pletcher, Irad. I mean the connections, y- you think this horse is going to be – going to be the favorite i think um um and- actually i i'm gonna I, i'm gonna give you some really good news in one respect mm-hmm. david aragona has installed gambling girl as the eight to one fourth choice on the morning Shut up. line um well here's the thing go look at the three okay you know the the pletcher curlin Dreaming of Julia, a horse that we talked about a couple of weeks ago with that insanely flashy debut at Keeneland that earned a a fairly slow number. But here's the thing. As far as buyer speed figures go, that day Julia Shining got a 71 buyer speed figure. Highest last out buyer in the field. Really? Yeah. What uh, What was Gambling Girls 2 back? Uh, Gambling Girls 2 back number was a 66 interesting yeah okay yeah brisnet really does not does not agree with that um i i did have uh julia shining marked down here as a b um you know i mean the horse obviously is got had that big sweeping move i often think that those horses tend to get over bet um especially you know like think of a horse like wit right wit just you know absolutely slow and then all of a sudden you know came you know, came from the clouds and won, and then he got bet based off that for like four starts in a row, um, and, and I think that that happens all the time. Um, so I, I had Julia Shining written down as a B, but I don't know. I'm going to take the horse with more experience here. The 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 six or out of post position six might not actually be the six. I, it uh, is gambling the six, girl here. Yes. It, okay. it, it's the six, and I see where you're going, especially if you cross out the last out effort where she did not have a good break, might have moved a little bit early and sort of lost all chance in that particular spot. My concern, and this is where you're going to have one of your favorite sayings, if this horse was a graded stakes caliber horse, 
Why has she spent five starts going against New York breads? This is where you tell me something about class. Yeah, class doesn't matter. Yeah, figured that. Um, that's my hole here. I think Julia Shining is a very nice horse that's going to improve second time out. First time out, she ran like she had no idea what she was doing. She ran in that beard course at Keeneland. You see the about seven furlongs. It's basically about seven and a quarter furlongs there, thereabouts. It's a peculiar route. You don't see a lot of first-time starters go from 11th to first by nearly three lengths under the wire. It just doesn't happen that way. There's every chance that she was just very, very rank that day and is going to wind up moving forward considerably. But I do agree with you in one respect. I do think you want horses that have shown they can pass others. And with that in mind, let's look at the horse to the inside of Julia Shining. That's Royal Spot. Rudy Brissett doesn't win with a lot of first-time starters. And if you look at the fractions of that first out race, you see them going six and a half furlongs and you see an opening half in 47. Closers aren't supposed to win that race. This one did. And if you look at the damn pedigree there, you see Mineshaft as the broodmare sire. I have a feeling this one wants to go two turns. Joel Rosario winds up on this one when he likely had a couple of options. For me, yes, Julia Shining merits a lot of respect. I don't think she's a single here. I think if you're looking for value, it lies with the horse directly to that one's inside Royal Spa, who, like Julia Shining, eligible to improve at second asking for a high percentage barn. The difference is instead of getting those three to five morning line odds on Julia Shining, Royal Spa's five to one. That's an appealing price. I was wondering why Julia Shining had such a high uh, DPI number here. So if uh, if you're not familiar with uh, Brisnet, DPI is uh, the uh, it's like Dam Production Index or something. Uh, this horse is a half to mal thought. Yep, that'd do it. Yeah. yeah, and dreaming of Julia, by the way, heck of a runner. That one yeah. is is as they say, bred in the purple. Well, I'm still taking the six here as my low name. I, uh, I, can't, like I, I said, can't begrudge you there. I think Gambling Girl, maybe that horse just wants to go two turns. And if you toss out the last out effort, maybe this horse is just moving forward. And furthermore, Pletcher runs two. One of them is going to be odds on. The other is not. So there's wisdom here. Yep. Any other horses in here you want to talk about? I mean, those are the main two for me. The only potential fly in the ointment, I think, is if Paco sends Foggy Knight from the rail and nobody goes with that one. But I don't think she had a bad trip last time out in the Tempted, and she wound up tiring to finish second, beating three and a half lengths by a horse that doesn't show up in this particular spot. To me, that one just seems a cut below. But You've got the right rider in a race that doesn't seem to have a ton of early speed signed on. So maybe Paco gets brave and winds up stealing that on the front end. But if I'm playing tickets, the two and the three are the ones that I want. Yep. And if I, you know, I, I did cap the last race, so I, I will be having kind of a, a pick five play here. Um, but 
I'll be using Julia Shining as a B, Gambling Girl as an A. So Gambling Girl will be pressed. And hey, if if you're pressing the the longer the longer of the two prices, and uh, you get through with the longer price, I mean that's just it's going to be even. Uh, that's how even you better. make money in those sequences for sure. Yep, and hopefully, uh, you know, unfortunately, I didn't see the prices, but um, that might be a defensive B alert. Because that is going to be the favorite there on uh, on Julia Shining, but yeah, we'll see. Um, race seven, the Remsen, uh, grade two for two year olds, uh, and uh, yeah, we get uh, this. This was kind of an interesting race because w- was this the race I looked at? Yeah, this is the race. You look at the trainers in here, and you kind of wonder where, 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 where the Pletchers, where, where are the yeah. Browns. Where I mean any anybody like this was, it was just kind of I don't know it was kind of weird you know Linda's got one in here, um, Rudy's got one in here I think. Uh, yeah, no, Rudy Danny doesn't Gargan have one in here. I'm thinking of a different race. There, yeah. yeah, Danny Gargan. You got John Service. Like you know you kind of got the 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 B squad here uh, of uh, of Naira. So it, it was interesting that now, we didn't see fair, any of the big names here. Fair. Because this is one of those things that horse racing Twitter loves to, to complain about. The, the theory going into last year was, oh, the Remsen's a horrible prep. The Remsen's a horrible prep. Nobody runs in the Remsen. You know who ran 1-2 in the Remsen last year? No. Little horse named Mo Donegal won the mm-hmm. Remsen. Little horse named Zandon ran second. That's a pretty good prep. <laughs> A retired horse and a horse that couldn't win a race. A horse that won the Belmont and made me look really, really good on a racing dude stream when I called him winning the Belmont two months before he actually did. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, I'll let you go first here. What did you like here? Well, it looks like we're on the same two horses. Uh, number two, Tuskegee Airmen is the eight to five morning line favorite. And for good reason. This one debuted on Pennsylvania Derby Day at Parks and that was, I believe, one of the first races of that particular afternoon. In fact, yes, it was the opener. And this one took a lot of money against some Pletcher horses that had shipped down. Went off at less than three to one and won like a very, very good horse for Luis Saez. Next time out at Delaware Park, they stretched this horse out to a mile. Absolutely no problem. Wind's going away. Has shown an ability to rate off the pace. Two turns is not going to be a problem. By street sense, out of a Medalladoro mare. When John Service ships up here, he's not shipping for frequent flyer miles or for points on the gas card. His horses come in and they're ready to run. He is a very, very good trainer at parks and he doesn't ship without a very, very good reason. And I think he's got the one to beat in here. But Josh, you've got a B that I find very interesting, especially at the likely price. WNL, horse number seven in the program, five to one on the morning line. And I think that number comes up a little bit. I remember liking this horse a bit in the debut at that place back there. Saratoga winds up fourth, beating almost eight lengths at first asking by a couple of nice horses. Instant Coffee wound up winning that race. He's a graded stakes winner. Arthur's ride has some speed. In fact, I believe I was on a stream with you guys when that race went on because instant coffee was a Brad Cox runner that somehow didn't get bet and wound up winning and making all of us look really, really stupid. (laughs) But they bring this horse back. I don't know if they were trying to get this horse on turf or if they just wanted to go a mile, 
But this horse made up a lot of ground in the slop last time out to win going away by more than two lengths. Now, this is a pretty significant class jump to be sure, but speed figures wise, WNL fits. When Danny Gargan gets a horse on the right track, they tend to stay there. And also his first time starters aren't often fully cranked. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily subscribing to that first out effort as a true indicator of this horse's talent. I think he's a very good prospect. And like I said, I think he's going to drift up a little bit from that five to one morning line price. For me, this is two seven. I think Tuskegee Airman is very, very talented. And I think he's going to be one to watch moving forward. Yeah. I mean, not to really, you know, labor on, on this race much, but, uh, yeah, where I kind of came up with this here is, uh, you know, obviously looking at the Kieran speed points and the run style here, right? You got your E8, E8, EP8, EP6. You get four horses here with Kieran points over six, uh, six or above. And I start looking at the off the pace horses. And look, I mean, that really leaves you with Tuskegee Airmen and, and WNL here. I, I mean, Il Miracolo, you could kind of look at, but if you look at the horse's pace figures, seems pretty uh, pretty even, even type of runner. Um, you know, from a pace figure standpoint on the Brisnet side, the one horse that kind of maybe looks a little interesting might be Arctic Arrogance, but, you know, the reason that horse has got such large late pace numbers is because of how slow the pace was, and that's not going to be the case here. I think you're going to get a very honest, if not fast pace. And I think it's just going to set up for these two off the pace horses. So whoever's best on this day is, I think we're going to win this between the Tuskegee airmen um, and the, um, and the, the seven WNL here. Um, you know, the interesting thing about WNL going to be, going to be a bit of a price is a stone street homebred stone street saw well enough to, to still keep a part of this horse, you know, sold for 400 K good magic. Um, you know, who obviously um, has has been pretty good uh, this year. I, you know, I think kind of came out the gate. You always see that with the big name horses, though. I always feel like their first runners always are like running off the running off the screen. I think Good Magic might have uh, tailed off a little bit, but still, um, you know, still has a nice uh, two point one one SPI number here for uh, for Brisnet, which just means that uh, is basically um, twice the average. Of, uh, of of all sires so um you know it, it's still above average sire uh here but yeah i don't know i i, I kind of figured that this uh this two was going to be super short um you know has run two really really nice races um and you know basically has won like a like a one to two shot both times even though he wasn't the first uh first time out um so tuskegee airman is gonna be my lone a and i do have uh w null here as a b yeah, we see this race pretty similarly as far as setting up for closers. And Josh, I got to tell you, I see the grade three go for wand the exact same way. I think there is a ton, and I mean a ton, of early speed signed on in this particular race. And I also don't think the speed is all that good either. You've got one of the horses that I like as a B. To me, this is a 2A situation. I want one of the two main closers, number eight, Betsy Blue, or number 10, Bank Sting. I simply think they're going to go very, very fast early on. Betsy Blue, a nice, honest, hard-trying horse that's won six of nine starts at Aqueduct. Ha <laughs> ha, six of nine. Hi, Coots. Um, 
and is a situation where, yes, she's going to do her best running late, but she's also not totally devoid of early speed either. She can sit two or three lengths off of the speed and have first run on the tiring pace setters turning for home. Whereas number 10, Banksting, is a dyed-in-the-wool closer who ran a good second off the layoff last time out in the Iroquois against New York Breds. Ran second that day behind a pretty nice sprinter named November Rain. Connection saw fit to run her against Open Company a couple of times already earlier this year. Won the heavenly prize at this route of ground earlier in the year over a horse in battle bling that I believe I saw you liked and then came back in the ruffian and was just no match for the likes of search results. And hey, search results, pretty darn good horse. Give me the eight or the 10 here. I think this race completely falls apart. What's the price on the 10 right now? Uh, let me take a quick look here. Uh, it's a wide open betting race. Battle Bling is the three to one morning line favorite. Uh, Bank Sting is four to one and the co-second choice. Betsy Blue, six to one. Yeah, so uh, I guess I landed on uh, I landed on chalk here. Uh, Battle Bling was my top choice in here. Um, I I felt like if for some reason all the horse some horses didn't go, I thought Battle Bling would is obviously fast enough early to grab that lead and go. You get Kendrick Carmusha board, who over the past and I I saw him run a ton this weekend. He's got it figured out. And there's been times where he's taken a horse and no one else has gone, and he's been more than happy to take the lead and, and just be aggressive. And, and that's just something Kendrick does. He gets the horse out of the gate. If he thinks he needs to be aggressive, he'll be aggressive, and he'll grab a lead when, when other people won't. Um, so, you know, on a push-button horse like this, uh, you know, who has uh, shown, you know, to come off, look at the Delmar handicap, right? The horse came from, you know, seventh. Uh, and, and you know, finished second by a, by a twelve lengths. You know, just got blown out. But you know, passed a ton of horses there, um, and doesn't necessarily need the lead. I don't think in order to win. Uh, you you can kind of go back and look at some of the uh, the the back numbers there. Um, hasn't missed the exacta at all in uh, five starts here at Aqueduct. So there's lots to like about Battle Bling. Um, and uh, the 10, you, you kind of touched on a little bit here, Bankstein, um, you know, same thing, kind of going for that horse-for-course angle, right? The horse 6-1-0 and in eight starts um, has run really, really nice figures here. And another one that does not need the lead and gets, you know, gets Joel Rosario aboard. And when you think of horse, uh, you think of somebody who's got a horse that doesn't need the lead, means he ain't going to get the lead. He's going to go ahead and he's going to let those horses go by. He will be patient with this horse. He's going to be posted outside. He'll get good position. And I think that, that Bankstein is going to be in a, in a real good spot here. Um, I have Bankstein written down as a B. This might be more of an A type for me. It might be a, a, a dual A uh, type race. Um, but, yeah, I kind of landed on, on the two chalks here, the 10 and the 3. So you mentioned the three, and the one thing that I don't love about the three, if you look at Battle Bling's last out effort in the grade three turn back the alarm, yes, she won, and I don't mean to diminish that. Look at the fractions of that particular race. You see 50 and three. You see 115 and three. You see a mile in 140 and two. She's going to have to go a lot faster, you would have to think, yeah. in order to win this race. And that is not to say that she can't. She has some back races that stack up reasonably well, and maybe she wins. 
If she was six to one or eight to one, I would probably find some reasons to include her, but she's three to one on the morning line. I think that's about what she's going to go off at. And I just think she's a little bit of an underlay in this particular spot, given her running style and given the fact that I think she wants a pace scenario, she is not likely to get. Again, I think this race falls apart. Give me the closers. That's fair. Um, I, I do want to point out that uh, Mark's favorite connections do show up here with the horse. Uh, oh, the Morley Castellano connections. Yep, yep. WW Fitzy here, uh, and also owned by Flying P Stable. That's uh, that was the home run uh, at uh, at Saratoga. So for I have about a, two weeks, they won everything in sight. Yep, I have a feeling that uh, that Mark will have uh, some type of money on uh, on this four horse here. Yeah, that's um, probably a safe bet to be sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, the big one, race yeah. nine, Cigar Mile, Grade One. Here, um, we do have a scratch in this race already. Uh, Obesos, Obesos has been scratched. Um, apparently, there was a some type of virus or something breakout at Churchill. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so they're got they're quarantining those horses, uh, or basically just not accepting shippers. For, and Josh, uh, I got to tell you, that's really unfortunate because Obesos was going to be my top pick. If you remember the Breeders' Cup episode that we did, I gave out Obesos as my long live long shot of the day on Saturday. This horse ran fifth in the Breeders' Cup Sprint at bonkers odds. There's a, a solid graded race with that horse's name on it at some point, and I'm looking forward to seeing that horse run again as a five year old, but. I still think there's some value in this race, Josh. I don't like Zandon here. And I'm going against a horse that is likely going to be a pretty heavy favorite for a guy that may or may not be back on Twitter. Um, apparently, <laughs> there is a Chad Brown account out there that apologized for being hacked in the infamous uh, war with Swift Hitter. Not sure who to believe there. Not going to go any further than that. Having said that, I see Zandon and I see a horse that is in this race for all of the right reasons, but I'm seeing a horse cutting back to one turn when I don't think that's what Zandon wants to do. It's entirely possible that Zandon is just talented enough to win this race on pure class, but Josh, as you say so often, class doesn't matter. And on a more serious note, I just can't take even money on a horse like this that hasn't won since April, despite having a lot of chances. So with that in mind, the question becomes, eh, okay, if you don't like Zandon, where are you going to find some value? Let's take a look at number four, get her number who ships in for Peter Miller. I don't know when the last time Peter Miller ran a horse on the Naira circuit was. I get the feeling though He's not shipping this horse to go to Aqueduct in December from his base at Del Mar. Just saying. And if you look at this horse, toss the Pat O'Brien. It's pretty clear something went wrong that day. We didn't see that horse for three months after that. Three starts ago, this horse ran second behind American Theorem in the grade one Bing Crosby at Del Mar. Earlier this season, ran third in the triple bend behind American Theorem. If American Theorem shows up in this spot, I don't know if he's favored over Zandon, but he's certainly no worse than the solid second choice. Getter number comes back at Del Mar, goes six furlongs in 108 and one, winds up getting the money, stretches out to two turns. Back in September of 2020, 
This horse won the grade one American Pharaoh going a mile and a 16th at Santa Anita. A mile is well within this horse's scope. And while he's a bit on the inconsistent side or so it looks, his best effort is absolutely good enough to win this race. And I think that's why he's on the plane from California. The other one that I'm going to use is a real easy horse to root for. So consistent, loves running these seven furlongs, mile distances. I'm referring to number seven, Mind Control, a six-year-old son of Stay Thirsty that I really hope gets a nice stud deal somewhere and we get to see what his babies can do because this is a horse whose connections have done everything right. This is a horse that was bred to run, runs a lot, seems sound, and winds up cashing a lot of big checks. Won a second straight Parks Dirt Mile last time out, got put up via DQ that day, and it was the correct call. He wound up getting herded several pads off the rail, and that's just not something you can do, especially when you're whipping a horse left-handed and steering everybody out. You don't do that. But Mind Control gets John Velasquez, the regular rider that knows him very well. And remember, this horse looked Hot Rod Charlie dead in the eye back in June at Monmouth and said, nope, you're not getting by. Mind Control has a lot of talent. I feel like this is exactly the sort of race that hits him right between the eyes. And while I respect Zandon, even money just seems way, way, way too short. He can win, but this is not a bad field. And speed figure-wise, it's not like he towers over this group either, Josh. Give me the four and the seven here. What uh, what price is Mind Control currently? Mind Control, let's see. So the, the full morning line, Zandon is even money. Mind Control is five to two. Get her number is the four to one third choice. And I got to tell you, I think that drifts up. White Abario, the nine to two fourth choice. Everyone else 15 to one or higher. Well... The nine to two fourth choice is actually my top choice in here. Oh, here we go. White Abario. Did they move the cigar mile to Gulfstream? They did not move the cigar mile to Gulfstream. Then why do you like this horse? You know, I was kind of looking at this race from a pace perspective, and I was trying to figure out who's going to get the lead. Probably White Abario. And Maybe mind control stalking from the outside makes things a little tougher on him. Outliers <laughs> got a little bit early speed too, but it certainly seems like the only way White Abario is going to win this race is gate to wire. And I just, I looked at this race and I just didn't see a ton of speed. I, you know, like mind control's got, got speed, but he, he's not really a leader. And there was definitely a change of tactics last time White Abario went out. Um, and they were much more aggressive with this horse, and the horse got out there on the lead. And you know, you see, Irad Ortiz sees fit to get a, get on here. Um, I I don't know. I I thought that there was a lot to like here. I mean, not to say that you know Louis Saez is any kind of slouch or anything, but you know, they got Irad for this mount. Um, and I I think if he gets ridden aggressively again. That's going to be his best shot, I think, here to win. Um, if you go back, I know I'm going back a year to the end of season last year at uh, at Gulfstream. Um, going a mile, that one-turn mile, one on the engine, was a, slow, a very, very slow pace, especially for Gulfstream. Um, but uh, I, I definitely think if this horse gets aggressively ridden, I, I think I think he's got a shot in here. And I like, like you said, I, I like Zandon more than you do. Um, I, I think Zandon uh, very much can win this race. I, Zandon will will be on my tickets. Um, 
but and, and you know, I, I agree with you. I don't think this is what he wants to do. But when I'm looking at old man mind control uh, and White Abario get her num- I mean, there's just not a lot in here that scares me. That that kind of makes me think that Xana can't get it done, especially on the fair track, which Aqueduct definitely can be uh, biased. Um, but I I think that it can be biased both ways, right? Sometimes closures, you know, sometimes there is a closure bias. Sometimes there's a speed bias. Unlike something like Gulfstream, right, where it's just like always speed, speed's always there. So. It can be biased, but for the most part, I think is is a fairly fair track. Um, so I think that Zandon's definitely got a shot in here. I think, um, especially if they're able to keep this horse connected with the pack, um, you know, didn't necessarily happen in the Pennsylvania Derby, um, but you know, if you get something closer to how he was ridden, maybe like in the Jim Dandy or uh, you know, heck, even the Remsen. I, I think that you definitely have a shot here with Zandon. Even money is tough to take. When you're looking at it horizontally, sometimes, like, you know, you, you got to make a choice. Um, but I, I think, I, well, at least when I first looked at this, I thought I was fading a little of more favorites early in the sequence. So I thought maybe I could afford to use Zandon here. But I don't know. I, I think Zandon's got a shot. I like him more than you do. But, um, I just think that pace-wise, I think this might set up for White Barrio, and I know I I'm probably the second biggest White Barrio fan next to uh, to Rennie, uh, but uh, I don't know. I'm going back to the White Barrio. Well, I, I thought I wrote, I thought I wrote up the bro- breakup letter, but I think I might have tossed it in the in the fireplace before I sent it. <laughs> so uh, I'll go with White Barrio here as my top pick. I might I might uh, I, might, uh, I might have to use Zandon defensively here, um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Hey, you know what? Using a favorite defensively is what got you that pick six. And I'm sorry, who advised you to use that horse? Thank you. Thank you very much. On a serious note, though, what future odds will you give me on White Abario in the Pegasus? Because who's going in the Pegasus? And White Abario can't lose at Gulfstream. What odds will you give me? I don't. I don't know. I, I'll probably bet him there too. Like that horse is four for four at Gulfstream. Has looked like a world beater. Everywhere else, he's just ordinary. But you put him in South Florida, and he shines. Put him in South Florida with announcer Pete in the booth, and all of a sudden, he turns into this gray ghost. He's fantastic. Now, as far <laughs> as this last race goes, I should tell you. I only handicapped the graded stakes races. So, Josh, you're going to have to do the heavy lifting here. For the sake of the late pick five, just imagine that I hit the all button. <laughs> yeah, we're going with seven furlongs here. We got an allowance race, $50,000. Um, and this was another one that I kind of looked at uh, from a pace perspective. And I kind of came up with I came up with two kind of differing horses here. I'm gonna want I'm gonna want the horse I think is gonna get the lead, and I'm gonna want the horse that's coming late. Um, I'm gonna kind of do a one-two punch here, and uh, that means I'm gonna be using uh, the five major spin here, Luis Saez and Rudy Rodriguez uh, getting claimed from uh, from Tom Morley. I I think this is your pace here. 
Um, I just don't see a ton of pace in this race. Um, you know, Rudy is 20% first off the claim. I know he hasn't had the greatest of starts here, but Luis Saez, he's fit to ride here. Um, and, you know, when I see Luis Saez and I see him on one of the few horses with early speed, I'm betting him because I think he's probably the best, one of the best, if not the best horse or uh, uh, jockey. Well, I mean, if Luis Saez was a horse, he'd, he'd be great too. But uh, best jockeys on the front end. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that this is going to set up really nicely for him. Um, and, you know, we'll see we'll see how he kind of looks here um, at first off the claim for Rudy Rod. Um, and then the other horse is going to be the horse, uh, you know, trying something new for the first time uh, is going to be the uh, two horse. What a dude. Okay. Ortiz. I need to stop you right here because this is absolutely peculiar and it fascinates the hell out of me. When was the last time you saw a trainer move up a horse after claiming him off of Chad Brown? Mm. It's rare. It is. But this horse is also going from uh is going from uh turf to dirt. Well, yeah, I was referring to the last out. Oh, the last one? Jacobson claimed this one two back for 40, and that's usually the Chad Brown dump move, right? He's usually got big name owners and horses that are the B string. So he's very aggressive and he'll drop them down. He dropped this horse down two starts ago in a maiden claimer for 40, winds up getting a very easy win over a group that probably wasn't much, gets claimed that day. Jacobson has him protects him in an allowance race in his first start against winners. And he runs a pretty darn good third beating two lengths at 33 to one. And now you're getting a rider switch to an Ortiz brother going turf to dirt. There's a lot going on here, man. And I'm serious. I hadn't looked at this race prior to that, but I'm looking at this and this is just a fascinating clash of a whole bunch of things you don't usually see. Yeah. Uh, it, it was it was kind of a, a bit of a mind pretzel, but um, looking at the way this horse kind of had that late kick uh, on the dirt on the turf, I'm hoping that some of that translates to the dirt. Doesn't always, um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna take a shot here with the two as well. What a dude! I'm sure that this horse is probably the favorite or something. It's gonna be super short. I don't have the morning line odds for this one. Yeah, I, I those probably won't be up for a couple days, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like the two here and I also like the, the five major spin that that's kind of how I'm going to close out this pick five here. Nice. Now, the one thing I do want to note, because we gave Naira a little bit of crap for not having an all stakes pick four, they do have an all stakes grand slam. And if you don't like Zandon, that might be a fun wager to put a couple of bucks on. If you're not familiar with the grand slam, it's a fun little wager when you don't necessarily have a ticket that's going to cost a whole lot of money. You wind up in the first three legs. You just need to have a horse hit the board. First, second, or third. You can use multiple horses. You can have multiple combinations. And your horse needs to win the fourth and final race of the sequence. And if you've got a strong opinion somewhere, there are times where it's worth throwing a ticket together that's, you know, eight combinations for $16 and a single somewhere. It winds up being a fun sequence, provided the stars align in order to play it. And given that I'm not a huge Zandon fan, I may very well do that with something that ends with the two horses I do like. 
Yeah, uh, Grand Slam is a great bet. It's a dollar base. Yeah, but you know, if you got some very strong opinions and can get through with maybe single two horses single, and then maybe another single or two horses, you play it for four or five bucks. Like, yeah, sometimes it only pays thirty or forty dollars, but you have it multiple you have times. It multiple times, exactly. So yeah, and the other thing that I do want to stress, if you're thinking about playing the Grand Slam. This is not one of those wagers where you can go six deep in multiple legs and finish out with a single. At that point, you're guaranteed to have some losing combinations and you have no equity on your ticket at all whatsoever. You want to keep things very, very narrow. Personally, I never play a grand slam with more than 18 combinations. Usually that's three by three by two by one in some form or fashion. There's just no equity in that sort of ticket where all of a sudden you're playing this $48 thing because you don't want to take a stand or you're going all but one and tossing a favorite. It might sound like a decent idea for the sake of this wager. Smaller is better. Cool. Well, I think that's going to do it for us here on uh, Drink awesome. and Champagne. Yeah, this was fun. Uh, happy to be back from Vegas. Happier to be back on the air with you. And if you like what you're seeing on the YouTube channel, if this is where you're winding up watching our show, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Really helps us out. Have we gotten to 1,000 yet? We are, I think, at like 1,002 now. So we nice. crossed over. So you know thousand. what that means? We're going to have three people that either unsubscribe or their accounts get deleted or purged <laughs> or whatever. But seriously, yeah. if you're following along there on wherever else you get your podcast, thank you. Know that we appreciate it. Always happy to do a lot of really fun stuff. Even though the horse racing calendar is a little bit slow right now, this aqueduct card's pretty darn good. So being able to go through the stakes races was a blast. Yep, and we'll be uh, we'll be live on Thursday night. So uh, tonight, uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday at our usual time, seven thirty Central, eight thirty Eastern. And if you're and listening to this on Friday or Saturday, you can catch the archive. Absolutely, and we'll be uh, we'll be live betting. We're we're gonna go back to some live betting now. Uh, now Turfway Park has started back up. Uh, Remington Park is running as well, I believe. So we'll be um, we'll be playing uh, playing some live uh, live racing. And uh, we'll be bringing back a, a contest of ours uh, where uh, we try to turn $50 into 1000 And the loser's got to buy the winner a bottle of bourbon. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll introduce the rules again and everything uh, tomorrow night or tonight. But, uh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I've got a question. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to want to hear this question. Okay. What happens if nobody gets to 1000 Does nobody oh, get dude, any this bourbon? Th- Dude, this thing went. This thing went weeks last time. <laughs> this thing went weeks last time. Uh, the gist is right. We start with twenty. We start at a fifty dollars bottle, right? So the the losers got to each toss in twenty five bucks each. Start with fifty dollars. If you bust, you can rebuy in, but your share of the the bourbon goes up five dollars. So I think last last time we did it, we. Like I had bought, rebought in an additional five times. I, you know, Caleb had bought. Someone ended up getting a really, really nice bottle. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, um, and we do, we do play, uh, we do play this live bankroll. So uh, we, I usually, um, I usually post the wagers that we make. Uh, do a blog post afterwards, just so you guys can see how we play it. Um, and uh, we, we are trying to make money. 
So that's the other thing is, you know, when we're playing these uh, live contests or doing this live betting, we try to always make sure that we're actually betting what we're saying because we, we want you guys to know that, like, we're not just spouting stuff off and, uh, you know, not backing it up. So so this is a live money contest. Every week we will probably lose $50 uh, unless, unless we, it's we get something. It's good to set the bar really, really low. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, and that was part of it too, right? You know, we don't want to be doing, a, you know, a two hundred dollar live bankroll contest every week and just us bust over and over again. So, you know, we it was just kind of a fun thing. We were like, hey, how hard is it to turn fifty dollars into a thousand? And turns out, uh, if Mark is playing Delta Downs, it's not that hard. Which is why we were not allowing Delta Downs ever again. You're not allowing Delta Downs. It was too easy for him. No, we got it. We got to make Delta Downs has a, a lot of very nice people that work there. Shout out to Don Stevens, the track announcer. Shout out to Ricky, one of the tech workers there that my dad and I have become friends with over the years. A lot of really good people down at Delta. I had a lot more success there back before the hurricane hit. I legitimately believe that when the hurricane hit and they switched to days, something changed within that track. But pre-COVID. I did pretty darn well at Delta Downs, and you can have a lot of fun there, provided you wind up spotting the right shippers and you wind up taking a look at running styles and whatnot, because around that bull ring, there are some horses that really, really like that trip. Yep. Luckily, they're running back at night now. Yep. And that's a good thing. That's where they should be. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, like I said, uh, Andrew's already told you like and subscribe make sure uh if you're uh watching us on youtube to you know hit those buttons it helps us out and uh yeah we'll catch you guys uh next week if we don't see you on the live stream later tonight so have a good weekend guys let's make some money